Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Groundhog Day. Because it's February, not second. I think I watched no. it on February 2nd. But it's, it's the time of year. It's around, right. It's the Groundhog time of year. Which is like such a weird holiday around which to build a movie i don't hate it okay groundhog day was made in 1993 it holds a whopping 97 percent on rotten tomatoes it was directed by harold ramus and written by danny rubin and harold ramus carrie where have we on this podcast seen harold ramus before i honestly don't remember Uh, somebody's dad and something right he plays seth rogan's father and knocked up Harold Ramis is one of the most prolific and maybe my favorite writer, comedy writer, directors of the 80s and 90s. He wrote Ghostbusters. He was also in Ghostbusters. Um, He wrote and directed Groundhog Day. He did the like analyze this and that movies. Yeah. He is our hometown hero and he sadly died several years ago. Yes, and this movie stars Bill Murray and Andy McDowell. Um, so this is our second Andy McDowell. It's our second um, Andy McDowell. And Chris Elliott, I guess, would be like third build in the movie. I, true life, really struggle with the difference between Chris Elliott and Daniel Stern. Huh. Daniel Stern uh, plays the dad in Trill. I just told you to watch Trill. You should watch Trill. Oh, uh, see? Full circle. Also, this is because you've never watched Shit's Creek, which is like a glaring blank space for you. Yeah, but like I, I've seen Chris Elliott in things. Like I know who he is. I know who Daniel Stern is. And yet, every time I watch a movie with one of them, I have to like take a beat and be like, okay, which one is this? And then I get there. I get there, and we're fine. Who is in Home Alone? Daniel Stern. Okay. Yeah. See, like I know the difference but I just like I I always need like a minute to just orient my brain to who I'm watching sure this is Chris Elliott who this is Chris Elliott yes if you don't know who Chris Elliott is he's rolling shit (laughs) he also I mean he's an SNL guy he's a you know he's been around forever because this is a Bill Murray Harold Ramis joint um Brian Doyle Murray shows up Yes. Um, you know, it has also all the, the guy who plays Selena's husband on Veep, who I feel like shows up in he's Bill a Murray second movies. city guy. He's um yeah. Dave Jedidowski is his name. Um he has a very famous long reigning improv show in Chicago called TJ and Dave, and it's him and the guy from the Sonic commercials who used to live in my neighborhood when I lived in Chicago. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it has like all the all the classic Chicago comedians. Yeah, a a blink and you'll miss him appearance from a very very young Michael Shannon. He's there um, twice though, and I caught him the first time. I was like, I know that voice, I know that face, I understand. I did not. Not until well, he and it happened, and I was like, like, was that Michael Shannon? That Michael- comes back at the end. It's Michael Shannon, also I a Chicago like- actor who hangs out at the bars by Second City, so. Like, still to this day. Please don't tell me he's creepy. Uh, I mean, 
I don't think so. No, I, when I said I, uh, the, uh, I mean, sounded like there was something I just, I don't, I think he's weird. I don't think he's creepy. I think he's a strange man, but not okay. as I've ever heard Fine. in a like predatory or inappropriate way. He hangs out in the bars by second city to like drink and have like weird existential conversations. Not, not to like hit on young women. women. No. Okay. Great. Great. I have a place in my heart for Michael Shannon I don't know why I just really love him as an actor so I, I do prefer too. that he not be a creep no not that I've ever I I have never heard that I am not I am not slandering Michael Shannon's name also a very brief appearance from a very young Willie Garson oh, which yeah. was How nice timely. to see seeing that since we just talked about and just like that and his um unexpected death so it was nice to see Willie Garson. Uh, Steven Tablowski is in it, which is a name. If you don't know, you do know. You absolutely just Google. You absolutely know his face. Um, is he Ned? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he plays sure. Ned. Ned Ryerson. Ned um, Ryerson. All right. The premise right. of Groundhog Day is uh, Bill Murray plays a uh, kind of a shitty guy. Um, he's also a, a weatherman. Shitty, he's a, a very, very shitty guy. He's a very shitty guy. Arguably, we cross the line into like, do we need our protagonist to be this shitty? But it is also 1993. Um, I think remade now. We do not need our protagonist to be that shitty. Um, he plays a weatherman with a new producer played by a lovely Andy McDowell. They go to uh, Puxitani, uh, Pennsylvania to see the Groundhog Day. His name is obviously Phil because that is where we're at. Um, they and he wakes up every day and it's still Groundhog Day. You guys know this. It's literally a classic trope. Before we started recording, recording Carrie brought up the movie Palm Springs. Um, there was another one I thought of. Well, I was watching this movie that now has escaped me, but there are many, many versions of this rom-com that would not exist without it. Um. You could argue that Palm Springs is like the more sciencey version. <laughs> yeah. Um, the less boring version. Carrie found this movie boring, which I, I do get you repeating the same day a lot. I do think it's structured very well so that like, this is a very, very, very good taught in schools screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe part of correct me if I'm wrong part of what's boring about it is that because it is such a perfectly crafted screenplay now in a 2022 viewing we know what's going to happen and so what we like about movies like Palm Springs movies like Palms movies like Palm Springs subvert that and take what is now a classic movie structure that Groundhog Day created and subverted in fun and interesting ways. Um, he repeats the same day a lot. So you see a lot of the same things a lot. I think there are fun ways they do it. You get like fun montages. You get a montage of Andy McDowell hitting him across the face, which I could have watched two hours of. Like I truly love the montage of her slapping him. <laughs> you get a montage of him, all the different ways he's tried to kill himself, um, which uh, Palm Springs steals like that exact montage there's a montage in palm springs of the two of them killing themselves and by steals i don't mean i really really like the movie palms 
It's the other thing I like about Palm Springs is it's it's like a dual protagonist narrative and there's no arguing. Andy McDowell is not in any way the protagonist in this movie. Um, but yes, you found it boring. <laughs> I found it a little boring. That's not to say I thought I agree with you. Like, I think the montages are fun. I think that the way that the movie is structured makes a lot of sense. I think it does a really nice job of telling the story. Um, I did find it a little boring in places, particularly when we're sort of repeating things. Um, I, I also, I think my biggest struggle with this movie is that I don't like the protagonist and I'm kind of over, and I've said this before when we've talked about movies with crappy male protagonists who get changed by love or changed by the woman in the movie. I'm just kind of over that. Um, and we see it a lot, particularly from this, from rom-coms from this time period. And it feels very stale to me. And that's not to say I get why this movie is taught. I get why this movie has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. I get why Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, you know, were as, are as were famous, are famous, beloved as they are. Um, there is lots to like about this movie, but it just, it doesn't, it just feels stale and tired to me. Yes, this is a story of a woman who changes a man for the better. I, I What I like about, and I agree with everything you just said, what I like about it is you see him, so essentially what it is is he's caught in this loop and he cannot get out of it until he genuinely becomes a good person. And about halfway through the movie, you see him learn to fake it. You see him learn to, he's, he's somehow figured it out and he's learned to fake being a nice person and that's not good enough. He has to genuinely change. And then, so he like does that. And I like that story of it. I like that sort of like, it is not about what you do and say. It's about like motive and intention behind that. And until he genuinely is bettered by, by her and his love for her, uh, he cannot be saved. Um, now you're right. There is like an icky, like, like if I were Andy McDowell's friend, I'd be like, you deserve someone who is already a good person, but also like, we are all flawed and we should all do work on ourselves and we should all strive to be better. And so like that, there is a hopeful and optimism about it that I, that I is very Harold Ramesy that I like. The other thing that I'll say about this version of the good woman changes a bad man trope is that she's not actually doing the work. Mm -mm. Like he's doing the work because she, except for one, at least one time that we see that he tells her the truth, she doesn't actually put in any work to change him because she's not aware of what's happening. So she's just living her life and being herself and the, and him having to live that day with her over and over and over again is he then puts in the work and puts in the time to become a better person. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it works better than the version where she's the one doing the emotional labor and the mental labor to, to make him change. Yes. That's a very, um, she also is not forgiving of his shittiness. She is not, yes. she does not tolerate it. She does not take it. She is not patient with it. She is self-possessed and self-assured and, and not, you know, away for an ingenue. She's a, 
she is a she is a woman character that I like like and respect. Right. And, and we see him like we see him use the ability to relive the day to take advantage of women, quite mm-hmm. honestly, which is shitty. And we see women fall for it. But then we get the reverse in her where we don't see her fall for it. So we get this this female protagonist or female lead that we really like. I will say there is a little bit of that juxtaposition that feels like she's not like other girls kind of like and and I feel like that doesn't quite work in 2022 the way that it did in 1993 where you kind of are like he's falling for her because she's smarter and more self-assured than other women yeah yeah I mean I also think like you also want your female protagonist your love interest to be you know there's a reason the guy falls in love with them if she was the same as everybody else we want them to be special we want I think the I think where this movie fails is it has like two different or where this movie like falls into that idea is that there's only like she is the only there's this movie does not pass the Bechdel test she is the only woman of any substance Mm -hmm. so we only see like uh character caricature versions of other women um which is sort of gives you the idea of like here's what women like and here's why she's different whereas if you had like multiple women in like substantial roles you would have that more because even if you look at palm springs and you can juxtapose the christina Milotti character against the fuck what is that woman's name the blonde character his girlfriend at the beginning she's on search party she's very funny oh yeah yeah i I don't Um, remember her name but i know you're talking about you know it's that too but then i think what palm springs does right is you have both of those women you have her sister you have like women with stakes and substance so you're not getting a like here's the two different versions of women that i think we often got in like 80s and 90s movies right yeah um Whereas we get like lots of different versions. We get Bill Murray, we get Chris Elliott, we get, you get lots of different versions of what men are like and they're afforded a level of like groundedness and humanity that women get more sort of like archetyped or stereotyped. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I hadn't remembered two things. I hadn't remembered like how long he's stuck in the loop. I had thought it was like a much briefer time period for whatever reason, no, it's got to be years. Uh, the day and they yes. do, it's clear that he is stuck in this loop for a very, very long time. And so I do like that because it does make it feel like he is actually learning something and he is actually becoming a better person. Um, and, and I also misremembered when- like them getting together for the first time. I had thought that. I had remembered that they did sleep together and that she did sort of fall for his fakeness. And I appreciated that they didn't get together until he truly did change and they never sleep together in the loop. There's good like sequences of it. There's like him, it happening, him being upset and frustrated. Then you have him figuring out how we can use this to his advantage, sleeping with, random women of the town and then also attempting to 
learn things about Andy McDowell to essentially manipulate her into falling in love with him, which she almost does until he get until the end when she figures it out or not figure. She doesn't figure out that he's in a loop, but like figures out that he's essentially manipulating, manipulating her. her. Right. And is like, fuck you. I'm out of here in a scene that, and this is where I think our good guy goes bad crosses too far. And when he is like trying to have sex with her and she is repeatedly saying no, and he's not listening now we do not go as far as them actually having sex. And like, he, he never actually coerces her into sex. She slaps him. We get a great montage of her slapping him. But I do think post 2017, particularly post uh, Aziz Ansari, like this has real Aziz Ansari vibes. Like it's just, um, you know, it is not, he is not like Weinstein bad <laughs> in these scenes, but he, it is not good. It is not, uh, how you want your to your the couple you're supposed to be rooting for to get together? It's not what you want in your male protagonist. I think. Well, and today, even that scene aside, there's a lot of like because she's his producer and he's mm-hmm. like the on-screen talent. talent. Um, and he, I think it's fair to say, like he's older, he's been around longer, she's newer to the job, she's certainly newer to this particular network. Um. There's a lot of like workplace harassment stuff that goes yes. on. And even in before the they get stuck scenes. in the loop, he makes right comments to her. And then you could not do in a movie today. And and then once we're in the loop, he, before he genuinely starts to like become a better person, that the the come ons are creepy. And so yes. like that's that you're right. That and the scene where he doesn't accept her no and tries to coerce her into sex I feel like were the scenes where I was like I just I don't I don't I don't love this I don't need this I can well and if, understand that he's becoming a better person without this piece well and if you're using Palm Springs as the as the more recent version of this movie maybe we should have just also watched Palm Springs I, alongside yeah, this I'm now wishing we had watched Palm Springs but go on lucky for you guys I recently watched it on a plane so it's fresh in my mind um there is, there is no point where uh, Andy Sandberg's character is coercing Christina Milotti into sex. When they have sex, it is entirely consensual. There is a time when he um, has told her they never hooked up. When she's like entered his loop and figuring it out, he says they never had sex. And then later he admits that they've had, that he's had sex with her many, many times in the loop because that's just what he lives that day over. He changes it. And of course, they, and he has lied to her and like I don't know that we ever get far as like manipulated her into sex but basically like he lied to her and said they didn't he's like I had sex with you many times and he has like some line that gets her that he knows will get her to sleep with him Um, right so there is like an aspect of it's not coercion it's not like it doesn't ever I think it's is the better version of this like Palm Springs figured out how to take this and be like what is still like would get her mad at him in the movie and would get her get them fighting but doesn't take the Andy Samberg character so far that we can't then root for him anymore right right um and so I do think there is a way to do it and I think Palm Springs did it um yeah because in this, it's just her saying, no, stop, no, and him, like, continuing to kiss her. Yeah. And then she pushes him away and slaps him. And then we get a great... So, the, again, like, the movie is not endorsing this behavior. The movie is not saying, like, 
this is how sex happens. Again, I don't know that we need to see it. And I don't know that we ever want our, like the man we're supposed to be rooting for to go that far. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, that I of- think that was like, I said this, but I think that that is really just kind of like my biggest struggle with getting into this movie as I was watching it was like, I don't care about this guy. I did start to, I, you know, I get there eventually, but like, yeah. It's hard with those types of movies when it's like a person becoming better because how do you make them shitty enough that you want them that there's actually like a change without losing your, without what you're saying it happened where you're like, I just don't care enough. And I think a lot of it is that we just don't ever or very often like see the reverse. We don't ever allow women in movies to be shitty and and get better except palm springs you can make the argument that she is the shitty person in the beginning of that movie and she is the person who becomes better by the end of it god what a fucking good movie (laughs) i think the other thing i think it's happening more but i don't mind a redemption arc i think i would have been much better with this redemption arc if we'd taken all of the sexual stuff out of the sexual harassment the coercive nature of in their relationship um and i think a lot of that just has to do like we're just we're in a different place place. particularly when it comes to like workplace politics and workplace harassment and workplace gender politics i think that was the piece that i really struggled with yeah it is interesting to watch this in a post 2017 world to be quite honest it's different to date pre-2017 and post-2017 like right like the Weinstein the Weinstein scandal changed the world and so things that we watched and accepted before then even if we shouldn't have I'm not saying like sexual harassment was okay pre-2017 but we just are now thinking about it in a different way I said to you the other day that I have not been kissed by a man since 2017 without being asked explicitly for permission first and that and like and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think, I think things just changed and people were made more aware of their actions and how it, and how it affects people. And that's a good thing, but it is interesting to go back and watch this and think like, oh, these are the things we sort of accepted as normal sexual behavior. Right. Until we didn't anymore. And it, yeah. there is an interesting level of like, when I think about my own experiences, there's an interesting level of like, and maybe it's the Me Too movement and maybe it's just growing up, but as like a younger person sort of being like, even if I don't want to do this, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I guess I'll just like, I said no once and, but now I don't feel like arguing anymore. So like, whatever. And now as post me too and also no longer in my early 20s and now in my early 30s I'm like no here are my boundaries respect them or don't but if the if it's don't you can leave right the world changed yeah yeah well yeah and like you said we grew up and you know and our partners grew up so there's that with I mean I do for all my criticisms I do think the performances in this movie are great I mean I think Annie McDowell is just sort of like 
And I, I think I said this when we watched Four Wings and Funeral, there's something sort of like effortlessly appealing about her. She's, she just comes across as very, um, there's a way in which she's sort of like the original cool girl. Like there's just something so like, you understand why these men in, in movies, like just fall head over heels for her. She's just kind of like effortlessly beautiful and sweet and lovely to be around yeah. um the accents do i mean warmth. i think annie mcdowell is a good actress but that accents doing some heavy lifting and making you feel like warmth hominess yes <laughs> like, yes there's a warmth and for sure maybe it is our own southern mother but there's just something about a southern accent that i'm like mm-hmm, yep take me home annie mcdowell yes um you know but she just there's nothing particularly like glamorous about her. I mean, she's beautiful, but not in like a glamorous way. No, and I think that's effortlessly also, beautiful. Yeah. She's the like, original, like she, she doesn't need makeup. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Um, was she not a Maybelline? Annie McDowell is a, is a, some skin or hair care spokesperson. Is it not Maybelline? Maybe it's L'Oreal. It's something hair because she has great hair. She does have good hair. I mean, like, other than Four Weddings at Funeral and this, I feel like my greatest connection to Annie McDowell growing up was, like, what that, those hair care commercials. L'Oreal. L'Oreal. Yeah. Oh, wow. She has been a spokesperson for L'Oreal since 1986. That's because she's gorgeous Wild. and effortless and has aged beautifully. If she has had work done, I want the name of that person because, ugh, it looks so natural. And if she's aged naturally, I want, then she's a witch. Um, and then, I mean, this goes without saying, but like Bill Mc, Bill McMurray, Bill Murray is hilarious. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought we were getting into the discourse. He's the funniest man alive. (laughs) Oh, sure. We can have our Bill Murray. I keep wanting to say McMurray because that's my husband and my children's last name. But I mean, for all of his terribleness not bill murray the ca- for all, for all the of character. phil's terribleness phil's terribleness he's very funny i mean like there i mean bill murray is on a list of like the greatest comedians of all time for a reason like his mm-hmm. comedic timing his comedic performance is unmatched um i you know even when he was saying terrible things i found myself laughing out loud there are so many jokes in this that just feel like sitting by a fire and being wrapped in a blanket. There are jokes in this. And again, like maybe that's unique to you and I, I feel like we watched a lot of Harold Ramis, Bill Murray stuff growing up. Like this was the, that was like the age of SNL. I first remember being shown. I was obviously not alive for his SNL time, but like dad would show us tapes. Um, And so there are some jokes in it that are just so like quintessentially like early nineties, Murray Ramis that I just make me feel like safe and warm and cuddly and I could die in them like I of yeah. course didn't write them down because at one point I was just like I'm just submitting because I'm just happy um but yeah there he's he's one of the greatest of all time for a reason yeah the other thing about this movie is that because you know he's swinging wildly between like horribly narcissistic asshole to desperation to get out of this loop and like pathetic 
horrible desperation to making the best of it, to falling in love, to becoming a better, like there's a real range in his performance that is not necessarily true in other comedic performances. Um, And so, I mean, yes, he's a fantastic comedic actor, but Bill Murray is also just a fantastic actor. Yeah. I would argue, I've maybe argued this before. uh, I would argue that our greatest actors are actually the greatest comedians. And you're right. Like not every comedian can do what Bill Murray is doing. Um, There is someone once said, and I've never heard anything truer that Steve Carell can do anything. Russell Crowe can do. Russell Crowe could not do Michael Scott. I think the same is true of Bill Murray. Like Bill Murray can act probably just about anything, but no one we regard as like a great, dramatic actor can do what bill murray can do um there is a bill murray is very good at the like ridiculous comedy and then he is very good at the like grounding genuine emotion like and i think that's sort of true in in his life too like i think of like the real life bill murray moments that have moved me and they're the year harold ramus died and he was giving like a funny speech of the Oscars and then like, and then like said something like very lovely and endearing about Harold Ramis. There's the story he tells of the last time they ever saw Gilda Radner, which is a hilarious story that then ends essentially with him realizing it's the last time they would ever see her alive. Like he's just very good as an actor and as a a storyteller and as a person of finding both of those things. And I think that's very rare. And it does it. He does it here. Like when he genuine, you see the di- he very well acts the difference between faking falling in love with her and just trying to get her into bed, and when he is actually falling in love with her. And you believe it? I believed he was falling in love with her. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Oh, he and Ramus had a falling out during Groundhog mm-hmm. Day. Yes, he and Ramus didn't speak to each other for decades. Maybe ever again. Hold on. Uh, hold on. I think they maybe. I think they maybe reconciled right before Ramus died. They did. They and I think Bill Murray has admitted his it's his fault. Yeah. He is a he's a challenging person. Is, he is I a mean, complicated we don't have person. to have hold. He is a complicated person. He's a challenging person. I think I, I don't know any I, I you know, I don't know much about this man. Like I don't know this per, this person personally. But but we're from Chicago. Be, it feels like we do. It seems to be that like Particularly when he was younger, although even in his more recent films, he could be a challenging person to work with. And he has very big emotions and doesn't doesn't sound like he handles things like anger very well. Um, but he ultimately, it seems like, always ends up reconciling with the person he has the disagreement with. It seems like there is some commitment to growth and reconciliation and taking accountability um yeah I I think Bill Murray might be the first person to tell you Bill Murray is complicated and not always not always making the best choices in his relationships with people do have a soft spot for him because his son was an assistant coach for Xavier for a while and he came to games very regularly and so again like 
I think he'd be the first person to tell you like he maybe wasn't there always there for his kids when they were kids but he does like as a grown-up seem to be showing up for his children I mean he was at games all the time yeah I think there's something lovely in a I think I think the problem with I want to burn forever the term cancel culture but here we are I think this idea that you are either a wholly good or wholly bad person. There's a, in the discourse right now, when we're talking about people, it's very black and white. Someone does something bad. We hate them forever. And again, I do not believe in cancel culture. I think what we call cancel culture is also just like accountability. And I think part of the reason Bill Murray has been able to stay relevant and stay mostly loved in the zeitgeist is because he, there is a level of accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we, when we yell things about cancel culture, it's usually just either people not taking accountability or it's people like on their platform saying they've been canceled. It's not real. That being said, I do think there is a reactionary thing to not accept that people can mess up, take accountability and change. I, I have a soft spot for Bill Murray for many many reasons mostly just because like that fucking accent makes me feel like I'm home (laughs) like Brian Doyle Murray showed up and Brian Doyle Murray's accent is so much worse than Bill Murray's I was just like it's it's clear that like we're in Pennsylvania right now (laughs) it's clear like one brother took some like dialect lessons and the other one was like fuck it (laughs) but even some things Bill Murray says it's so like it's so Chicago I think part of what works for me about this movie and part of what works for me about Bill Murray as a person is the reminder that like good and bad are not, it's not a black and white world. People can get better. Nobody hasn't fucked up or made mistakes or hurt someone. And you have the ability to better yourself and better your circumstances and apologize and take accountability. And, and you're right. Like, I think this movie shows him doing that and not her doing it for him, which is nice. Um, and I just, I, I like a growth and change narrative. And I think like it, it would behoove us all to remember that in the real world. And that being said, like, we can still do that without like sexual coercion. And we can allow, and we can tell stories of like women doing that, which I think is lacking because like Andy McDowell has no emotional growth and change. She is the same. She is a good person at the beginning. She's a good person at the end. Um, we don't, I think only sort of more recently have we allowed like stories of shitty or complicated women to tell those stories. Um, they drink sweet vermouth. Oh my God. That was going to be the next thing I said her her drink of choice like her drink order is sweet vermouth on the rocks is when that a thing? i was People 16 and and i i think statute of limitations on this but when i was 16 Anne and i broke into mom and dad's liquor cabinet and i was sure if we drank like vodka or whiskey or gin they would know and i was like the only thing they won't know is if we just drink straight vermouth and so we did and it wasn't pleasant oh my god that's so i can't I don't even know what straight vermouth tastes like. I also don't generally drink sweet vermouth, even yeah. in a cocktail. I wild. I didn't know that that was a drink. I I'm didn't either. Go- 
we would eat the things we would steal from mom and dad would be like vermouth or peppermint schnapps because i'd be like i don't know why this is in here but that also probably meant that it was like so not the vermouth because they would use that for martinis but like the it was like just like so old and so disgusting to drink alone like i have a very vivid like visceral memory of throwing up like peppermint schnapps into that like basement bathroom which was just like a standalone toilet when you google sweet vermouth on the rocks this movie comes up so i feel like like did a sober person write this like just so i don't know that it's like a drink that people drink also in an attempt to woo her he like found out her drink and then the next time he repeated that day like ordered the same drink and I've never like been on a date and had someone like order the same drink as me and been like, we're meant to be like, well, but so that makes me think that maybe they make it like something really weird so that when he orders it, she's like, oh, nobody else drinks that. Sure. You yes, know I mean? that's probably right. I think you're right. I think that's why that's it. Because it's not a thing outside of this movie. I mean, it's now become a thing. Like people talk about it because of the movie, but it it's like the name Madison in Talking <laughs> to Splash. Like it wasn't a thing until the movie. I mean, people are now naming their children like Khaleesi. So truly, uh, entertainment affects us all. At one point, uh, he was dressed as a Native American cowboy. We can leave that in 93. I forget why. Mm-hmm. I just remember being like, this ain't great. Um, the song that radio is playing every morning when he wakes up is uh sunny and share and that is how i like to wake up every morning so i would do very well in phil's position anything else about groundhog day i like it i'm still gonna watch it regularly not like my if i uh my harold Ramis movie of choice is ghostbusters so but i still like groundhog day yeah but i watch ghostbusters whenever i'm sick or sad I watch a lot. (laughs) (laughs) What are we watching next? Next, we're going to watch Juno. Um, I've not seen it recently, but I think it'll probably hold up. I think we're both going to cry. Our next, we're going to do a very special Patreon episode. Uh, We are going to live watch the movie Valentine's Day, which I have never seen. Um, I forget that about you. Wild. I've never seen it. It is my first of the day movies. Um, we're going to watch it and talk to each other while we watch it. So Carrie's going to Carrie and are you, our beautiful patrons are going to get to witness me experience it for the very first time. Um, and we'll, Crazy. it won't be like the full hour and a half of the movie. We will cut down parts where we're not talking. So, I mean, maybe it'll be a full hour and a half. I don't know. We haven't done it yet. Who's to say, but so if you would like to become uh, a patron, you can uh, join our Patreon. Carrie will put a link to it in the show notes. And then in two weeks, we'll talk about Juno, which I think will be very fun and emotional and and delightful because I love the movie Juno. <laughs> uh, you can find us on the on Instagram at hold. I almost said on the Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast. Carrie's going to put a link to those also in the show notes. Um, and you can rate, review, and subscribe on all the platforms, including Spotify. Mm. I guess. Yeah, I don't think us pulling the podcast from Spotify 
we're staying on Spotify, guys, because we're not, we're not, if if Neil Young isn't moving the needle, we ain't moving the needle. Uh, Right. But if you want to be on different, you can find us also on, just rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to us. And don't listen to Joe Rogan, please. About anything.